Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. What a joy to worship the Lord. This morning, I want to go right into God's Word, even as we look to the book of Hebrews and chapter 2. We are looking at verse 1 through 4. Hebrews chapter 2. And we're looking at verse 1 through 4. For this reason, well, verse 2 onwards, in fact. For this reason, we must, must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. So that we don't drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels was unalterable or binding, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us through those who heard. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. And I want to focus this morning, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? In this particular portion of scripture, the Bible makes three specific aspects. He says in this particular verse, in verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? All around the world. There are people that are neglecting what God has done for us. They are neglecting it for various reasons. They are neglecting it simply because they don't have time. They are neglecting it because they have better things to do. They are neglecting the salvation because it's not trendy. They are neglecting because more, more latest fashions have come up. They are neglecting it because they've got to be politically correct in the nation that they're living in. People are neglecting it for whatever reason. In this part, it talks, there are three things that this scripture is talking about. Three things. Firstly, it says that there is a great provision that God has made. That for us, God has made for us a great provision which the Bible calls our salvation. Secondly, the Bible says there is a great danger. That first, after a great provision, there is a great danger. And the great danger facing each one of us is the peril of neglect. That we might neglect what God has done. And the third thing this verse says is that, that there is going to be a great judgment. If we ignore, how shall we escape? Three things. A great provision from God that God has made for us. A great danger that we ignore it or we neglect it, what God has done for us. And a great judgment if we ignore how shall we escape. And I really don't want to focus on the, next, the second and third one because I'm going to keep it for another week. This morning I really want to focus on this great provision. The Bible talks about a great provision. There's a great provision. Why? What is this great provision? This great provision is what the Bible calls 
our salvation. That God made a way that we can have a salvation. That we can have a way of escape. What does this word salvation mean? For different people, it means different things. For some people, the word salvation is a religious word. Recha. The word salvation. It's a religious word. Or you heard it from childhood. You heard it from the time you were a little boy in Sunday school. I remember hearing it when I was a little boy in Sunday school. In my growing up years, I heard that word week after week, week after week, salvation. And it did not mean more than some religious, uh, you know, words sounding in my ears. This great salvation, what does it mean? For some people, it means that if we are saved, we will go to heaven. And so for those people, they want the best of earth. And they want the best of heaven. So for earth, we want contacts on earth. That if I have the right contacts, if I know the right people, if I get to the right places, if I got the right contacts, oh, I will be happy here on earth. And so just like we have contacts for earth, some people want a contact for heaven. That Jesus would be a good contact to get to heaven. So that we can get to the Father. And I want you to know our salvation is not a method to get to heaven. Our salvation is not limited in a way to get to heaven. What is salvation? It is not just that we are going to go to heaven when we die. Salvation does not mean that we can now go to, go to church or we are saying our prayers or doing some religious ceremonies or things like that. When the Bible says, how shall we escape when we are neglecting such a great salvation? Hallelujah. The Bible does not call it an ordinary salvation. The Bible calls it a powerful salvation. The Bible calls it a great salvation. A great, it was not an, an ordinary act. It was a mighty act done by heaven. It was a mighty act done by heaven. It was something that, that something God did for us which was so mighty. So what is this great salvation? This great salvation in the Greek is a word called sozo. This word called sozo, S-O-Z-O, it actually means salvation. But it doesn't mean salvation to the simple meaning of the word that many of us understand salvation. The word sozo means more than just go to heaven. It means to be restored back to wholeness. Which means when we sinned, we lost our wholeness. We lost our mind. Now you might think, what do you mean you lost your mind? The day you lose the mind of Christ, you have actually lost your mind. Because you don't know how to think anymore. You're thinking like the world tells you to think. You're trained like the ideologies tell you to be trained. You're taught things that the world tells you to believe. And you've grown up believing that all along. Salvation is more than just getting a ticket to heaven. It means to be saved. It means God wants to heal you. It means to be, the word salvation means to be restored back to wholeness, which means you're, you're restored back to, sal, to salvation, to a, to a saved place. You're restored back to, your, to a healing. You're restored back to a deliverance that God wants to deliver you from a life of sin. You're restored back to righteousness. Righteousness means to have a right standing with God. Because before salvation, I want you to know, you have no right standing with God. No matter whether you like it or not, the Bible sins, the, says the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
There is a salvation that brings us to a right standing with God. You know what the Bible says? That we were all fallen away from God and God wants to restore us back. So salvation also means you're coming back to a right relationship with God. Salvation means to be given a sonship. That you're outside the family of God before you're being saved. But now God is saying, I'm bringing you back into the family of God. I, you were before outside. No, 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 nothing to do with the family of God. God is saying, I'm making you a son. Salvation means you're now being given a mission. Not only are you saved and made part of the family, God is saying, I'm sending you on a mission. Salvation means you're restored to daily intimacy with God. Before you could not come to God because of your sin. And now the Bible says, you can come boldly before the throne of grace. Where will you find, where you'll find mercy and grace in your time of need. Salvation means you're given a new nature. That you're not going to live like the world lives. You're not going to live like the, the worldly people are living. You're saying, I've got a new nature. Salvation means you're commanded to walk a new walk. You're not going to, you know, talk like the world lives or live or walk like the world gives. Salvation means you're given a new life, heaven's life. The Holy Spirit is coming to dwell in you one more time. That he's coming to live with you. He's coming to walk with you. He's coming to talk with you. Salvation means you are not given a now a kingdom identity. Before you were a nobody. Now you are the son of God. Salvation means you're not an orphan anymore. Salvation means you belong to the family of God. When you're being saved, what is salvation? If you're given this kingdom family, salvation means now you're not only in a family. God is one more time entrusting you with responsibility. Salvation means the sons of the house are taking responsibility for the house. Salvation means God is giving you the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which you did not have before you were saved, so that you can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and live a life of the Holy Spirit. All this together and so much more is what God says. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. You'll be restored. And along with this, Salvation means you can also go to heaven. But people have reduced salvation to a ticket to heaven. There are, there's a, why is the salvation so great? It is great because of the great love that provide us, provided us our salvation. The Bible says, for God so loved you. God so loved you and me that he gave. His only son. You know, I learned that verse when I was in Sunday school. But when I think of that verse today, that God loved me so much, God loved you so much, that He gave His only son. Would you give your only son for something? Would you, what would you give your son for? You'd give your son for popularity. You'd give your son for promotion. You'd give your son so you can have a good life. God sent his son so that you can have a good life. That your life would come back. This is a great salvation because of the great love that gave his son. This great love. This is what the Bible says. Oh, for behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us. That we should be called the sons of God. Ephesians 2 4 says, But God being rich in mercy because of his great love, if you could only fathom the height, the depth, the length, and breadth of the love of God towards you. You know, people think they love one another, but the truth is, people need one another. 
We care about people that are beneficial for us. We like to relate to people that bring us advantage. We like to talk with people that, are, that will help us or add value to our lives. But the Bible says, while you and I were enemies of the cross, Christ Jesus demonstrated his love by laying down his life for us. The great love. In this great love, salvation has to begin with, you have to understand what salvation really is. The Bible says that God sent his son to save us. Let me tell a, a, a story. Imagine you were on a boat and you went into deep sea. And as you went out into the sea, there your boat began to capsize. And water began to get inside the boat. And as water began to get inside the boat and the, and the boat began to sink, you knew you're going to drown, you're going to die. And so you try to stay afloat, but you begin to drown. As you're beginning to drown, you see in a distance another boat that is coming nearby. You know there is hope, but you finally lose your life because that boat is not there. By the time you come, the boat comes near you, you have now drowned. And because you know, you're, not just drowned, you're not just drowned, you're drowned face down. And you are dead by now. You're dead and you can just imagine that you have lost your life altogether. And the people on the boat, they come and they take the stick and they pull your body in and they bring you on board and they check you up and your heart has stopped. Your lungs have stopped. It's full of water and you have now no pulse. You are dead. You are finished. This is what the Bible says. For all of us were once dead in our transgression. You are not drowning. The Bible says you were dead. You were not going to die. The Bible says you were dead. Which means you were separated from God. You and I were dead in our transgression. Or if you and I think of any kind of righteousness that we have. The Bible says you dare think you are righteous. God says you were dead in your transgression. Some of us, our problem is our goodness becomes our righteousness. We think I'm not such a bad guy. You see, what did God do to us? He could do for us. He saw us dead in our transgressions, in the water, and He pulled us out. And, and you know, the, 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 the prayer of the saints may have been praying, what people may have done different things, but God put His life back inside of us. And He did not save us from drowning, He raised us from the dead. That is our salvation. He saved us. And if somebody saved you from, from death, what, back from death, why would you not give your life to him? I know, you see, the question that people ask is, what saved the man? Was it the boat? Was it the stick? Was it the CPR that was given? What, is, was, it, what was it that saved the man? You know, people say, some people say, I'm saved by grace. Some people say, it's by through faith. Some people say, it's not that. It is only the work of God. Some people say, it's not that. It's a repentance that we have. Uh, what really saved? Actually, the fact is, it wasn't saved by any one thing. You were saved by all of it together. You were saved by the complete work of God. You and I are saved by the fact that the boat came, the fact that somebody put that stick and pulled you out, the fact that some doctor did a CPR, and maybe while you were, while you were dying, maybe somebody prayed for you. I heard a story of a man and woman, a couple of men of God, that they were driving through one part of the United States in a desert area, and the car met with an accident. And the wife, the woman was thrown out of the car and she had some kind of a serious body injury and she died. And while this was happening across the United States, seven of their intercessors had met for prayer. 
they were woken up or something like that at the same time. They came and they began to pray. They sensed in their heart that there was a danger to this couple, not knowing across the country the couple had met with an accident. Were you saved because somebody was praying for your salvation? Yes, that too. Were you saved? Was it fully God's work? Yes, it was fully God's work. Because everything that happened was the work of God. In Him we live and move and have our being. Everything we're doing was the work of God, but not just the work of God. Because it was 100% the work of God, God now gives His people the ability to cooperate with His work. Hallelujah. If God had not died on the cross for your sin and my sin, there would be no salvation. So even if somebody is preaching the gospel today, if I'm preaching the gospel today to you, it's because God died on that cross and made it possible. So what was it? The correct answer is that it's all of this together. It took everything to save a man. According to the Bible, that there were different elements that got you saved and got me saved. I remember there was, a, there was someone I know personally, you know, he was in a car accident in France and, and he, he was thrown out of the car and four hours he was dead. And he was left there and they found his body after that. They took him up and they had taken the body back. And after four hours, he says, he says a story how he felt he was caught up to heaven. He went to heaven and there he encountered the, the, the Lord. And he saw the glories of God and he saw, the, he saw the terrible reality of hell. And after four hours, God had mercy on him to come back to his body. He came back to his body and the rest of his life he spent telling others, that God is a good God. If we would give our life to Jesus, we could be saved. No man on earth can promise you eternity. Except Jesus who died and rose again. How can somebody tell you about the life to come unless they have been there themselves? Or they have authority over the grave. Nobody claims to have authority over the grave except Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He said, I was dead, but now I'm alive. Which means today you and I are coming to a savior. What is this element? This man, man he said, you know, the, he lived every day of his life. He's saying, I want to proclaim. I want to tell people. In that man's ministry, I gave my life to Jesus. But I heard about the gospel. And I thank God for that man because he dared to proclaim this great salvation. People will try to stop us from telling others about an eternity. Because people are intimidated about their eternity. The, the first element of our salvation, it was completely the grace of God. It was, we are saved only by the grace of God. What is grace? Grace is God's enablement. It wasn't me. I couldn't do anything about it. That God enabled me to do it. Therefore, am I saved by grace? 100%. I'm saved 100%, absolutely, by the grace of God. If you want to be saved, God needs to save you. Nobody else can save you. God needs to save you. The first element is salvation. God laid down His life for us. We have all sinned and now He is giving us His amazing grace. A second element of salvation is that we are saved by grace, but through faith. What is faith? Faith is that we know Christ. That we know whom we have believed. Many people don't have faith. They have information. Information is not faith. Revelation is faith. Information tells you about a story about Jesus. Revelation reveals to you that you and I were sinners. 
And we have fallen short of the glory of God. The second element is our faith that we are hoping for. Faith is expressed in what we believe and faith is expressed in how we live. We will live according to our faith. We will live according to our faith. It is this gospel alone that we believe that saves us nothing else. That is why we've got to tell about Jesus. Now, sentimental appeals to come to Jesus will not save anybody. Many preachers nowadays are doing sentimental appeals. My brother, come to Jesus and you will be saved. Coming to Jesus does not mean receiving Jesus as a good man. Some people say Jesus was a good man. So come to Jesus. They make sentimental appeals of his admirable character. Some like to come to Jesus because Jesus was a good guy. He was a, I mean, we admire Jesus. Or he says, you know, no, he's not God, but he's a, 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 a good one, you know. And he died on the cross. Anyone that did anything good for me, we find good. So he's admirable. He's a noble, that noble thing that he died for us on the cross. Or maybe he changed somebody's life. That, I want you to know that people that have not believed the whole gospel are not saved. To be saved, you, you have to not accept Jesus as a good man. You have to accept Jesus as your savior from sin. What is this gospel? This gospel is the fact is that all man has sinned. The you and I have sinned. Now this is the problem. Many of us don't want to confront our mistakes. You know why? We feel intimidated that somebody should judge us. Why should anybody judge me? I want to live free from judgment. I want to judge myself. But the Bible says that one day, Hebrews chapter 9, 27 says, it is appointed for man to die once. Death is real. If you die today, if I die today, where will we go? Do, do we have a hope for our eternity? If your hope is only for this world, oh, how shallow is your hope? If your hope is only for this life, many people claim their hope is in the welfare, their hope is in the banks, you know, even as many banks are collapsing all around, people all around the nation are now becoming afraid, what will happen to my money in the banks, everything that was put in a deposit, if your hope was in your fixed deposits, how shallow is your hope? If your hope was, was in, in the wealth or in your family name, how shallow. Because your family name is not going to be known in heaven. The Bible says, praise be to God from whom every family in, is known. We are known by His family name. Hallelujah. That's the kingdom of God. We come to God. Salvation does not come on your terms or my terms. Salvation comes on God's terms. There is no other term. God is not taking suggestions and opinions of man. Say, what do you think? What do you think we should, uh, for salvation should be by your good works? Okay, I'll consider that. God ain't taking no suggestions. You know why? Because the Bible says that we were his enemies. How do we know we are enemies? Because the Bible says we lived a life of sin and we were enemies of the cross partnering with the devil. So salvation comes on God's terms, on no other terms. Salvation is completely the work of God, nothing else. Now, this is the difficult part. When we come to the difficult part, the question to believe, do you know that if you and I are not saved, that we have no hope for eternity? There is no hope. There's no hope. Your eternity has no hope. It doesn't matter how beautiful you are. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how connected you are. You know, your eternity has no hope if we don't have a savior. The reason for this is because 
this payment the bible says that god what did he do uh, that everything was based on what he has done for us on the cross when christ you know christ pleaded with god if he had to he said father if it's possible take away this cup of suffering from me you remember that portion but do you know god would have nothing short than christ his son paying the price for you and me there was no other way for salvation. Jesus said, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering away from me. He said, but not my will, your will be done. Which means, God would not have a negotiation on any other way of salvation. Why would God not have any negotiation? Listen to this carefully. It will be very interesting. And I, I'll touch on that in a little bit. Because no other way would require, would, be, would satisfy the justice that God needed to meet. See, only if we accept the payment that Christ, Christ was the answer that he paid for our sin. Oswald Chambers warned, he said, in our zeal to get people to accept the gospel, we are manufacturing a gospel acceptable to people. Did you hear what I'm saying? In our zeal for people to accept the gospel, we are manufacturing a gospel which is acceptable to people. There is no gospel that God in heaven is trying to make acceptable to people. Except that we are all sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. See, if God's glory was 100, alright, 0 to 100, if God's glory is 100. Bible says every one of us has fallen below 100. Now, how much would you score yourself on 100? For your righteousness, how much, how much would you give yourself? In front of a righteous God, what would be your score? Go ahead and score yourself. Anybody above 50? Throw your hands up. Because you know your life. None of us would give ourselves above 50. Now, you, how, much would you, how much would you give, you know, good people? Somewhere between 50 and 100. Uh, not 100. Somewhere between 50 and 100. You'd give 70. We have all fallen short. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. If we have fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Oh God, but I don't agree. God says I didn't ask your opinion. Oh God, oh really, I, I don't believe. I, I don't want to believe. That's your choice. But the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sal neither is there salvation through any other name, except the name of Jesus Christ. Oswald Chambers, he's saying like this, we may try to make it acceptable to people, to produce people who are accepting Christianity without repenting from their sin. There is no Christianity Without turning away from sin. The Bible says. That all man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And no other name. The Bible says repent from your sin and be saved. Today's most popular. You know versions of the gospel. On, on TV is a positive message of the gospel. Come to Jesus he will bless you. Or you have debts. God will clear your debt away. You, you got problems. God will solve your problems. No that is not the gospel. That is another gospel. Are you listening to me? That is not the gospel. What is the gospel? All have sinned. Because 
when you get to heaven and you stand on judgment day before the lord the lord's not going to ask you etra debt undayirunnu he's not going to ask you how much debt you had when you stand before god he's not going to ask you were you struggling or suffering with problems in life he's going to ask you were you an enemy of the cross Whose side are you on is what God's going to ask. Are you on the side of the kingdom of darkness? Or are you on the side of the kingdom of God's marvelous light? There are only two kingdoms, darkness and light. Whose side are you and I on? This is the problem with another gospel. It demeans the gospel. It insults the gospel. The gospel is that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory evangelistic appeals are made to come to christ for the wrong reasons for health and happiness and success and restored marriages and handling stress if you may you guys are going through a lot of stress jesus will will take your stress away yeah he he didn't die on the cross to take our stress away he died on the cross to give us life dead man is dead with stress or without stress We're all fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. Now you might say, Pastor, uh, I don't agree with you. Now, it's not me. You don't agree with the Bible. Feel free. Because we didn't say this. What is the, what is the third element of our salvation? Is that we need to repent. The third element of our salvation is that everyone has it's by grace it's by faith but there has to be a repentance what is repentance there's got to be a realization that being a good man isn't enough to be saved some people say i'm a nice guy and i want you to know you're far and few between because most of us were not nice people we all need a savior how many of you know you need a savior amen You see the first thing about repentance repentance is not remorse so remorse is feeling bad about something remorse is i'm just feeling bad that i got caught or i'm just feeling bad that they found out that's remorse god is not asking you to have remorse feeling bad about something god saying repent what is repent you were going in sin like that god says turn around now you're turning around and coming back to the ways of god that is repentance repentance is an active word Now some of you might say but God did everything. No no, God did everything so that you can repent. Amen. He made he loved you so much that he did everything you can repent. Paul was a good man. Being a good man, being even a devout man will not take you to heaven. Some people are very devout. There's a such a good man. You know, I've been at many funerals and at funerals they remember he was such a good man. But I want you to know being a good man won't take you to heaven. how will you go to heaven we need to repent from our sin the bible says repent and turn around to god being a good person will not take you to heaven the bible says that paul believed in god he was a good man he was fervent in his faith he was running after a pursuant faith and he wanted to be a fervent believer is it possible that apostle paul was fervently being good running after the wrong thing is it possible that you and i can spend the rest of our life fervently running after something that will make no difference in eternity is it possible that you and i can find righteousness fervently 
in our family status, in our wealth, in our contacts, who is on your speed dial. It doesn't matter in heaven who is on your speed dial if God is not on your speed dial. If he's not the first one you call on, your eternity is at stake. People of God, do you even care for your eternity? God is pleading with you and me, don't live for the temporal. If your hope, your contacts are only for the temporal, oh, how, whoa, you know, how, 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 how sorry it is that your life is only for the temporal. God is saying it ain't being good enough. Being, having fervent behavior ain't good enough. Having a, uh, an interesting belief system isn't good enough. You can be fully devoted to the wrong thing. You can be sold out to the wrong thing. Spend your whole life and at the end of your life, not be sure if you will go to heaven. Apostle Paul, he came to confront the truth. If you need to repent, you need to realize the truth. Secondly, you must have the courage to confront the truth. What is the courage to confront the truth? You need to have the courage to say, I need a savior. I need a savior. You see, the thing about Paul, not only did he realize the truth, but he confronted the truth. He looked at Jesus on that Damascus road and asked him, Who are you, Lord? You and I need a heart to to really ask that question. Lord, who are you? Are you a good man? Are you a pleasant, you know, you know, a good leader? Are you one of those, are you a Jewish carpenter? Who are you? You need to ask that question. Maybe today is the day that God is giving you and me to answer that question. Where we ask, Lord, who are you? For some people, God is a good Christian God. He ain't a good Christian God. He's the king of glory. He says, beside me, there is no other. God says that. That's what the Bible says. That you shall worship the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. You shall worship nothing else. You can't even worship yourself. You can't worship your wisdom, your intelligence, your pride. He said, who are you? And Jesus said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Imagine if God said that to you and me. You're persecuting me with the way you're living. You're misrepresenting me with the way you're living. Paul looked at the Sanhedrin and he said, My brothers, I have fully done my duty to God with good conscience till this day. Can you imagine Apostle Paul saying, I have fully done my duty with a good conscience until this day. So, is it possible that you can have a good conscience And still not be right with God. Paul recognized that. In fact he says in the Bible. He says like this. My conscience doesn't condemn me. But that does not mean I'm innocent. Some people say. I have a good conscience. I've not done anything wrong. Paul says you may have a good conscience. But you still could be fully wrong. Because our conscience can be seared. It can be, our conscience can be marred by the ideologies of the world. So what you've been doing with a good heart, clear conscience could be clearly wrong in the sight of God. A clear conscience does not excuse sin. The blood of Jesus washes from every sin. Amen. 
It takes the gospel. So which means we need to do the same. We need to repent. For repenting, we've got to realize the truth. For repenting, we need to repent, turn around from our sin. And for repenting, you know, we need to, we need to turn around from our error, from our mistake. We need to walk, walk away. Realize the truth. Repent from our sin and turn away. This is the gospel. And if you and I don't do this, if we don't turn around, what is uh, turning around? Which means we have to admit that I was wrong. You know, Paul, when he turned around, Paul had to lose his friends. Do you know his Sanhedrin were his closest friends? When Paul encountered Jesus, that salvation made him lose his friends. That salvation made him lose. His had to accept that his family, what they taught him all along, was not correct. That salvation, he had to accept the fact that there was going to be disruption in his schedule because of that salvation. Mm. That he was on the Damascus road to persecute some people. That salvation meant there was going to be a change of plan. How he lived till yesterday is not going to be how he was going to live from that moment. Salvation will invade every part of your life. This great salvation, it, it means you are not being saved to give, be given a ticket to go to heaven. Salvation means you're asking Jesus to be your Lord, your master. If he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Salvation is a change of role. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a change of rulership in your life. Salvation is a change of who is the master Salvation takes you away from sin and it takes you away from slavery. Salvation makes you a son and it makes you a steward or a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Salvation does something to you. It's mighty because this repenting and turning away means salvation asks you to have a change of mind, a new perspective. The way you looked at the world till yesterday was not the way you looked at the world anymore. When I got saved, something changed deep in my heart. Before I got saved, I, I had a success story. I, had a, I, I, was, I was good at so many things, from education to music to so many things I did. I was a success story. But when I got saved, oh, I felt I needed a savior. I knew that this was the loudest encounter of my life. People of God, meeting your life partner is not the greatest thing of your life. Because one day you will lose your life partner. They will die. Getting an education is not the greatest thing of your life. Because all that you have, you will lose. Getting a lot of wealth or coming to a place of power is not the greatest thing of your life. Wealth will go and power will disappear. The greatest thing of your life is to encounter Jesus as your savior. This will take you to eternity. This salvation will begin to affect whom you talk to, how you live. Where you go, what you speak from your mouth. This salvation will affect what you live for. What, what is your ideology? Everything. And God wants you to know that you have to make a choice to turn away from what is sin. To live for God. There has to be a turning around. Realizing. And, and this thing is going to lead you to obey. Salve, being saved means to live right. To obey the word of God. To live, to live right and to change the way you have living. The Bible says, as moment Paul encountered Christ, the word of God says, the Lord said, get up, go to the city. There I will tell you everything you have to do. 
which means now instructions are going to come from God. Being saved means hereafter I am going to take instructions from God. Hallelujah. Anybody with me this morning? Hereafter, I am sold out for Jesus. I'm going to take instructions from God. That is what it means to be saved. Get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. An encounter with Jesus changed my life in such a way. I started taking orders from God of heaven. Sometimes people object to having to do something in order to be saved. No, repentance is a mandatory aspect. And obedience, the Bible says, unless you repent, you will all perish. God wants you and me to obey the message that God is the, has the gospel and this gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Not only must you be saved, in that way the Bible says God wants you to go and be baptized. Well, baptized in water. That you can be, it will be a public proclamation of your inner conversion. Baptism is not the personal agenda of any local church. Baptism is a commandment of God. Repent and be baptized. Amen. Be repent and be baptized. This is a command of Jesus. Repent and be baptized is a command of Jesus. Every one of you, repent and be baptized. The apostles cried out. They said, how shall we save? If you today want to know, the Bible says you and I should be baptized. It's, a, it's not child baptism the Bible is talking about. It is a public declaration of our inner change. God is saying, not only is it baptism, the next element of your salvation is that God wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's giving you the Holy Ghost as an advance token of the life to come. If you and I walk with the Holy Spirit, we begin to encounter and experience that we will become His witnesses. Everybody say witness. One of the things about your salvation is your salvation demands that the Holy Ghost will come upon you and that will make you a witness. The problem with today's Christianity that Christianity, many, many Christians, God has called us to be witness. Witness means to stand in a witness box and to testify what we saw. But many Christians are today turning, becoming rogue witnesses. The witness turned rogue. Why? Because somebody threatened their life. Or somebody told them, you'll be in trouble, you'll lose your job, or you'll lose your life, or you'll lose this or that if you witness. You know, people are turning rogue. They have an encounter with Jesus, but are turning rogue to witness because they're afraid to lose their life. And the Bible says, you will be my witnesses. Salvation makes me a witness. I will stand and testify of what God has done for me. Hallelujah. Something in me will burn for this gospel. Salvation not only makes me a witness, salvation calls me to endure till the end. The Bible says, for he who endures till the end will be saved. The day we accept Jesus, that day we have begun our salvation. But the Bible says salvation is not a one moment experience. The Bible says the day we receive Jesus, our salvation has begun. And the Bible says he who began this good work is faithful to bring it to completion. Righteousness is a process. You are righteous, but you are being made righteous. You are adopted as a son, but you are awaiting the adoption as sons. 
You, the Bible says, talks about how it has started the day you're born again, but it is continuing till the day you die. He who endures till the end shall be saved. Endurance, the Bible says in Mark's Gospel 13, 13, that those who endure till the end shall be saved because the enemy wants to distract you and deceive you. Why is the salvation so great? It is so great. Not only because of love, it's because Jesus paid a heavy price for you and me. The Bible says you were not saved with perishable things like gold or silver. You were saved from your futile ways that you inherited from your forefathers. You know, most of us are living a futile life. Many people after being born again, also we are living a futile life. Many people don't know why they're living, what they're living. They've seen some people live, they want to live like that. They're living a futile life. God says, this salvation saves you from the futility of the ways of your forefathers. You were not redeemed with perishable things like gold and silver. But you're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Precious blood. You're redeemed by what Jesus did for you. Somebody gave his blood for you. So that for the rest of your life, you will be grateful. As a medical doctor, I recognize the gratitude that people have when they have a transplant. If somebody had a transplant of a heart, someone gave their life for you to live a good life. Somebody gave a part of their body for you to have the transplant. And if you had a heart transplant from somebody, you'd probably keep their photograph or picture in your house. And you'd probably spend the rest of your life being grateful to somebody who gave you another day. I heard the saying, I read it in Kohima, on a, on a graveyard, on a war memorial graveyard in Kohima. Just put up. It says, when you go home, tell your people. A war memorial graveyard, it said like this. When you go home, tell your people that we gave our today for your tomorrow. What Jesus did was that he gave his today, his life, so that you can have life. You are not just forgiven from sin and being taken to heaven because you're a nice guy. You are dead face down in the water face down in the water dead gone CPR no response they did everything possible no response electrical shots no response nothing face down dead but the Bible says God who was rich in mercy the Bible says the God who is rich in mercy you see God paid a heavy price to get you saved not only a heavy price, he's giving you blessings. There's a great blessing included. What is this great blessing that God has included? This great blessing was a blessing of redemption. That God would want to redeem you. But we are not redeemed by perishable things. You know what is redemption? Redemption is to be purchased. You know, there was once a boy, a, a young boy who made a boat. As he was making this boat, he, he took pain. He took pain to put the wood together and, and to put all of that together. He put the sails. It was a beautiful boat. He polished it and 
He made it so beautifully. And he would go with this boat to play on the waters. But one day as he was playing with his boat, a wave came and took the boat away. And it went into deep water. He couldn't go there and get the boat. And he saw it going away and his heart was broken. Many days later, he walks into a shop. And in that shop, he sees his boat on the counter with a tag. He runs to the shopkeeper and says, that's my boat, that's my boat. And the shopkeeper says, no, that's not your boat. That boat's for sale. And he says, no, but I made that boat. He says, no, that's for sale. And you see, he tried to negotiate with the shopkeeper for some time, but the shopkeeper wouldn't listen. Finally, he goes back home and he empties out everything he had. He took everything he had and he goes to that shop. And he gives it to the shopkeeper. And he says, can I have my boat? He purchased his boat back. You and I, the Bible says, are the work of God. Some devil stole your life. Some devil took you away. Some devil has been trying to destroy you. Some devil has been trying to lie to you. And Jesus took his own blood. And went into the holy of holies. God the father would have nothing less. And there Jesus gave his blood. For your sin and my sin. It was a total purchase back. It was not a ticket to heaven. It was a pouring out of the life of heaven. For your life. It was life for life. It was life for life. So that you and I today will no longer live for the lusts of the flesh. That we will no longer live for ourselves. That we will live for Him. It tells me that I am redeemed. This great blessing tells me that God showed me mercy. That I had no right to be saved, but God showed me mercy. His great mercy towards us. This Bible tells me that not only redemption, God gave me righteousness. That God, he's saying he wants to make us righteous. Righteous means right with God. You and I are not right with God because of our sin, but God is saying through Jesus. He's not taking you to heaven. He's making you right with the king. Today, would you want to be right with God? God's asking you, can you be right with God? Can you put your life right? Not only is he asking to make you righteous, he's saying, I want to give you an identity. You know, many people have earthly identities, family name, political you know, or alignments or, or wealth, identity, business house, wealth, alignments or whatever. And the Bible says God is not going to have any of that identity. He's saying, I want to make you my son, my daughter. God wants to make you family. He gives you identity. Not only identity, he gives you an inheritance. He's saying... You have hope in this world and you have an inheritance in the world to come. That he says that you will know the hope of his calling. The exceedingly great riches and, and the power, that exceedingly great power that is available to you. That God will give you an identity. Not only an identity, he says, an inheritance. He says, I want to give you authority. The Bible says, behold, I give you authority to trample over snakes and scorpions. And over all the power of the devil. Hallelujah. 
that you're no longer afraid. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You're walking under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're walking under the authority of God that you will have authority over demonic holes, strongholds, that in the name of Jesus, you will bind demons. Hallelujah. He gives you authority. He says nothing will harm you. Not only authority, God gives you responsibility. When you get saved, when you become a son of the house, God doesn't just say, getting you saved and going to heaven. He gives you a responsibility. What is the responsibility? He says, go into all the world and be my witnesses. He's saying, if you are really saved, witness about it. If you're really saved, tell others. The mark of a child of God, he will tell others what his daddy has done for the world. The good news of the gospel is not that you're going to hell. The good news of the gospel is nobody has to go to hell. That all of us can go to heaven if we would ask Jesus to come into our life. That we would carry a responsibility. Not only a responsibility, God is saying, finally you will have rewards. Apostle Paul, he said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Paul was keenly aware that his departure was coming soon. Are you and I aware? Of our departure. Are you excited. About your hope. Are you living for a departure. Are you waiting. You know as the years go by. I was telling my wife and some other friends recently. I'm becoming so much more conscious of eternity. I'm excited about eternity. I'm looking forward to eternity. I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. Being with Jesus. This world has no hope. All around people are hopeless. Systems are failing. Ideologies are failing. But Jesus never fails. Amen. He's the same today and forever. If you will give your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to know, don't neglect this great salvation. This is a great salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to be born again. Every eye closed in the presence of God. I want to ask you, today if you would, if you would realize that you need a savior, that you need Jesus, because all man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody is fallen short of God's glory. We need the savior. And today you need a savior and I need a savior. No, your, your prayers and good works will not take you to heaven. We need a savior. Oh no, your church attendance will not take you to heaven. Which church you're part of will not take you to heaven. You need a savior. Oh no, your bank account will not take you to heaven. You need a savior. Your offering in church will not take you to heaven. You need a savior. You need a savior. This is a great salvation. This is not a message of how to get to heaven. This is not a message of which buses go to heaven. This is a message of who is your master. This is a change of who is the master. Until yesterday, the devil was our master. But today, we want to be saved. We want Jesus. Maybe all your life has gone by. Today, if you die today and I die today, where will we go? If you're not sure of where you're going to go, I want to tell you today, you don't have to live in fear. You can have confidence in Jesus Christ. If you today are not sure of your salvation, I want you to know you don't have to go back afraid. Repent for your sin right now. Wherever you are right now in this place, if there are people that need to give your life to Jesus, maybe you've been coming to church for a while, maybe you've been, you're thinking you're saved, maybe, maybe you're not sure or you're not confident of your salvation. Today is the day God is saying, today if you will come to me, 
today, right now, right now, right now, wherever you are, right now, wherever you are, you make that decision to follow Jesus Christ. You don't have to, you, you know, when you stand before God, nobody's going to stand with you. You're going to have to give an account for your life, you yourself with God. And so right now, God is knocking on your heart. He's saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, uh, if any man hears my voice, open the door, I will come in. God's waiting to come into your heart right now. God's waiting to come into your life right now, wherever you are. Maybe you're a beautiful young girl, or maybe a wealthy rich man, or maybe you're a connected, influential person. God is saying, I'm standing at the door and knocking at your door right now. If you would pray that prayer after me, you know, he will come in. He will take a sinner and a slave and make you a son and a steward of the kingdom. He'll give you a mission. He'll give you a vision. He'll change your life right now. Pray with me if you would like to. Lord Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. You are my savior. Hallelujah. I repent for my sin. Today is the day of my salvation. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I receive you, Lord. And from today onwards, I want to live for you. I commit my life to give you the glory. And if there are people in this place that have not been witnessing this great salvation, God is saying, I want you to witness. I want you to tell others. Tell the world that Jesus lives. Tell the world that Jesus lives. Don't let the witness turn rogue. People are waiting. This is their eternity. God is saying, will you tell others what God has done for you? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the church will be passionate about witnessing this great gospel. And Father, I pray a blessing on the church. In the mighty name of Jesus, this light few years, we will spend living for you and witnessing for you. We submit our lives to the King. You alone are our King. There is no one else. We give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wscc.in.